Hey guys, I don't know if you know this, but I love biohacking. I love testing out new foods, new supplements to feel my best, look my best, perform my best. That's why I'm so excited that we partnered up with Neurohacker. They're sponsoring today's podcast. So this is something new, Senolytics. These are cutting edge ingredients that are making waves in the world of healthy aging. If you're looking to optimize your energy, feel your best no matter what your age, you definitely have to start researching this. This is why I'm super excited to be talking about Qualia Senolytics. See, as we get older, these things called senescent cells build up. They're basically old, worn out cells that hang around and mess things up. They cause aches, slow recovery, a general blah feeling. Think of them as zombie cells. Qualia Senolytic gives your body a kickstart to clear those out. Think of it like a deep cleaning for your body on the cellular level, making way for your good cells to thrive. Honestly, before I tried this, I was a bit skeptical, but guys, the difference blew me away. Within a few months, energy levels are through the roof. I felt sharper. My workouts felt better. This middle-aged sluggishness, it's gone. And you can take quality, this middle-aged sluggishness, mostly gone. So if you're ready to fight those aging effects at the source, head over to neurohacker.com slash success pod. That's neurohacker.com slash success pod for up to $100 off and use the code success pod for an extra 15% off your order. And just a quick disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food or Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And this review represents my personal experience and opinions and is not a guaranteed promise or reflection of anyone else's results. I was given free product in exchange for this endorsement. Thanks again for joining me. Today, I am sitting down with Sharon Srivatsa, who is the CEO of Kingston Lane. Now, I'm very excited to be sitting down with Sharon. He is a serial entrepreneur. He is a global thought-after keynote speaker, uh, an incredible thought leader. Uh, he writes and contributes for Wall Street Journal, Success. I saw a piece on Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, Forbes. He has had six exits in the last 19 years, which is absolutely insane. Uh, he has a top-rated Spotify podcast called Business School. I have to shout that out. He's done so much over his career. We'll go into all the things that he's worked on in the past and what he's working on now. And we'll also speak about where he came from. Uh, he speaks a lot about his background and the struggles that he went through to, to get to where he is today. So really appreciate you sitting down, really excited to chat, hear your story, and, and just give some insight and some value from somebody who's done so much. So thank you. Awesome. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. A lot of people don't realize that this stuff takes a while, right? So even off camera, we're, uh, yeah. all, of this is not, uh, all of this is not easy to do. And the very fact that you're putting all this together, uh, sharing so freely, helping people that don't uh, have a chance to get access to folks and giving them their message distilled down is super powerful. So uh, a lot of, a lot of kudos to you for one, for having me on, but more for uh, you putting this out and, and doing all the hard work to get a great message out to people. So thank you for doing that. No, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. But yeah, you, let's, let's, uh, you know, you, you do this too. You, you give out knowledge, you work with entrepreneurs, you work with CEOs, you work with all these people. So also don't, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, so walk me through, man. What's what's your story? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I am the you know the people always say this, right? They say, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too. And there, uh, there literally could not be anything uh, more untrue. Uh, everyone's like, if because how often have we heard something like, oh, if I can do it, you can do it too. If that was really true, then everybody could do what everybody else could do. So um, let's use that as the the starting point, and let's actually talk about that. I'll come back to that in a second. So um, I was I was born uh, in India, very mediocre everything, uh, mediocre living, mediocre everything, mediocre financial situation. But the one thing that was extraordinary in my life was my parents. Uh, two amazing parents. They've always, uh, always had my best interests hard. They would go above and beyond to do everything for me. And they didn't know early on that I was struggling in school. I, uh, I, you know, talk about being the underdog. I am colorblind, which doesn't matter for a lot of people. So, but I got kicked out of art class. I'm tone deaf. <laughs> so I got kicked out of music class. I was the, uh, one of the smallest kids growing up. So I was the last to get picked on with sports. 
I had symptoms of ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, so I wasn't really good in the classroom. So you can't hang out with the artsy folks. You can't hang out with the music folks. You can't hang out with the jocks. You can't hang out with the nerds, right? So literally, you can't hang out with anybody. And after a while, that what that what happens because of that is you get bullied, mm-hmm. and because you are the easy pickup for anybody to bully you. And um, I didn't know any different. I just thought getting beaten by the lockers was a very normal thing. And Scott, there's a time when I remember where just walking from a hundred feet from one classroom to the other, I would actually walk around the entire school just so between the one classroom, and the other was our lockers. And I wouldn't, I didn't want to get beaten. So I would literally run, you know, close to a third of a mile around the school to go to the other classroom, just because I would get away, get away from the lockers. And my parents knew that something was up and uh, they realized that they didn't know how to talk to me about it. And I didn't know how to talk to them about it. And I still remember this day. It was like my 10th or 11th birthday. I was sitting in a park bench and my dad told me this. If you think about it, you're 10 years old. And your dad says to you, Hey, Sharon, we want to give you a bigger and better future. Like that was his favorite word, a bigger and better future. And for the person listening, I would tell you, ask yourself this question. Like what is a bigger and better future? And my parents had never left the left India or anything like that. And they said, Hey, there is probably a better cultural system out there, maybe in the U.S., in the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, wherever that may, uh, you know, you may succeed in. So we need to find you a capability, a passport out of here. And so mm-hmm. that's when I was, we were sitting in front of two tennis courts. My dad was like, hey, if you can play tennis, that may be an individual skill that can get you out. And so uh, we agreed that day on a whim. I never hit a tennis ball before. We agreed that day that I would put all my efforts into that and academics would be secondary. And uh, so for the next six years, all we did was focus on tennis. Uh, I got pretty decent at it. That got me out of India and uh, to the U.S. And the interesting part there is my parents sold every single thing that they had. When I say every single thing, I mean every single thing. My dad had a little motorcycle in India, like little motor. That was the only method yeah. of transportation. My dad sold his motorcycle to get me a plane ticket to come to the U.S. He sold it every single thing. And so they sent me to the US with one year's worth of expenses and uh and uh, and a blessing to say like hey you go and uh, you got tennis lessons. <laughs> yeah, you got one year's worth of um you know safety net. Go make <laughs> it. Uh the next three years of college are on you. If you can't make it come back. And that was the beginning of uh you know my 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 journey. That's uh that's a that's a scary <laughs> the scary amount of pressure um on a young kid. So you come over, uh, how does tennis work out? How does college work out? Um, walk me through, walk me through that journey because I know it wasn't so easy. Um, becoming a pro <laughs> pro athlete is not so easy. Yeah. So, so, uh, there's two stories that are, that are super interesting. And, and, um, I'll tell you this, this goes back to kind of the, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I don't think that's true. And let's, if we nail that down, just because Scott can do it doesn't mean anyone can do it. Just because Sharon can do it doesn't mean anyone can do it. What is true is if Sharon can do it, what was the support system that Sharon had to be able mm-hmm. to do that? If Scott could do it, what was the support system that he had to be able to do that? It's not that I'm trying to emulate and model Scott or Sharon. I'm trying to emulate and model their support systems mm-hmm. because if you were the underdog, if I was the underdog, there's a good chance that we could not do it on our own. That's what people need to know, right? If you were not the underdog, if you were a super smart kid like Elon Musk, you don't need that support system. You're just crazy smart and you figure it out and you're one in 15 million, right? Yeah. So I would say that the, the thing that everyone should realize from, a, from the lesson is and everything that we're talking about is how do you install this, this support system that allows underdogs to succeed that underdogs don't talk about that often? that that's what we need to be modeling, not what other people are doing, but what the, the support systems that they have, right? So- I love it. Yeah, I like um, where this conversation is going too, as well. It makes a lot of sense and it's something we speak about a lot, but- Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And, yeah so, so the, the, I'll give you two very, very quick stories. So my, my first story is that my first day in the United States, I landed in Chicago. Um, I had, this was before, before, before cell phones and all of that interesting stuff. I had someone who was gonna come pick me up. Uh, I wait for an hour, two hours, four hours, eight hours, no one shows up. And then suddenly the pager or the public address system goes off and it's like, hey, Sharon, Srivatsa, please report to a white courtesy phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> so I go to the courtesy phone and says, hey, the your ride, whoever was coming to pick you up, uh, their car broke down. 
and they need you to take a bus to Moline, Illinois. I'm like, where is Moline, Illinois? I just, I just landed here. And, and so I was like, cool, I'll go take this bus. So I, I grabbed my one backpack that I had and I go take this bus. I get on this bus. It's supposed to take like a couple of hours. But then I realized three, four, five hours later, it's nighttime. I'm the last person on the bus. I'm at the bus depot. The bus driver comes up to me and says, hey, kid, you may have gotten on the wrong bus. Where are you trying to go? And I'm like, Moline, Illinois. He says, well, we're in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I go, wait, where is La Crosse, Wisconsin? <laughs> complete opposite direction. And so I said, okay, well, how do I get there? He's like, well, you may want to, uh, you know, lay low for the night and then uh, grab the bus in the morning. So I grab my stuff, get out of the bus. And right when I get out, Scott, this guy out of nowhere jumps me with a knife. So I get mugged on my first day in the US. I don't have anything. I have 120 some dollars in my pocket. And this guy mugs me and he's like, hey, give me all your money. And I'm like, I don't have anything. And so he looks through my bags. I have nothing. And he's like, you got to have some cash. And I know that I'm in a weird place right now. If I give him my money, I can't get to school. If I don't give him my money, I'm going to get hurt. So I didn't want that to happen. So out of nowhere, this is what I did. I pulled out a hundred dollar bill that I had. And I said to the mugger, I was like, hey, I have a hundred dollars. I'd be happy to give this to you. It looks like you need it. But I, I don't think your intention was to hurt me in any way. I just got to the US today. I need to get to school. I have no idea where I'm going. I hadn't eaten in 12 hours. If I give you this $100, maybe you will consider giving me 50 back. And he looks at me and he starts laughing. He's like, well, you're trying to negotiate? And I was like, I, I need some money. I'm worth asking. So I hand him the $100. I kid you not. He opens his ratty wallet and he dishes me back 20, 20 and a five. He takes the hundred bucks and he gives me back $45. That was my first day in the U.S., right? Like I negotiated with a with a mugger, and I, not looking back, if that happened to me now, Scott, like I couldn't do that, but it just so happened, like in the moment, I take some balls. <laughs> it just so happened in the moment, all of that happened. So um, that happened, and then I found my way to uh, I found my way to campus after that. But then this second thing happened. So well, I get to campus, I have this check that my parents gave me for a full year's worth of tuition. I walk out to financial services, I hand them the check, and I'm like, hey, I'm here. I, I will never forget this lady, a little Hawaiian lady. She says, welcome, Sharon, hands me the keys to my dorm room and says, hey, since it's an international check, it's going to take 10 to 14 days to clear. I had no idea. She goes, uh, at that time, your meal plan will get activated. I'm like, okay. And then I realized, all right, I have no, my $45 is gone. I, mean, I have very less. I have no meal plan, so no food, but I have a place to stay. Good, awesome. So I have my dorm room. So I get in my dorm room and then I start, Scott, I start crashing every party on campus, right? Every pizza party. It's like every Greek fraternity, you know, math club, <laughs> computer science club. I go to every pizza party, every root beer float party. And I don't know why. That's all they had is pizza and root beer floats. That's all. I went to every pizza and root beer float party. And after like three days, they were all done. And I hadn't eaten for like 24 hours and I was walking by a dumpster. So I see this dumpster. I see a bunch of people drop a bunch of pizza boxes into this dumpster. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I can grab a couple of slices of pizza. So I wait for the, wait for it to get dark. I jump in the dumpster. I grab a couple of slices of pizza. I run to my dorm room and I'm like, wow, that was a new low. And mm. my parents were not there to see that. Well, another day or two goes by. I hadn't eaten and I was walking by the same dumpster and I see a couple of kids throw Subway sandwiches into this dumpster. It's like, huh? So I wait till nightfall jump in the dumpster, grab the Subway sandwiches. And then I see a box of Pop-Tarts. I grab these Pop-Tarts. I had no idea what Pop-Tarts were. I've been in the U.S. four days. Uh, and then suddenly these yellow beady eyes start looking at me and I get smacked on my cheek and I start bleeding. And I'm like, what just happened? Well, there was a raccoon in the dumpster trying to like fight this box of Pop-Tarts with me. And like, you can't even make this stuff up because I am mm -hmm. like ankle deep in a dumpster with beer bottles and trash and all that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So like my fight or flight kicks in. I literally kick this raccoon. So hopefully there was no, you know, it's totally in self-defense. Kick this <laughs> raccoon, grab these Subway sandwiches and I just run. And I'm bleeding. So I sit down, I eat, and then I go to get a tetanus shot because I at least knew that. And those were my first two days in the U.S., like really saying, hey, this was a new low. And uh, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. And I don't think if that had happened, if the mugging incident had not happened and if that you know dumpster diving incident had not happened. And it took me 20 plus years to tell my parents that. And that became kind of the new low, because if 
from from an entrepreneur's perspective, a high achievers perspective, people talk about taking risk, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we only know the risk that to take is is the risk that, that we have capacity for. Well, my capacity for risk has suddenly been completely changed. Like I could take on so much more risk because I knew that I'd be okay. Most people have not been homeless or not had money, you know, not had not 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 had food to eat. But when you know you can do that, you've believed that you can take on more risk and not crazy risk, but you're like, hey, I'll be okay. I can figure it out. I just want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of our show, Vidyard. As a sales and marketing executive, I have used Vidyard and I was super happy when they reached out. What is Vidyard? Vidyard is the easiest, most powerful video solution that allows you to create videos, host them ad-free, share them with others, and track their performance. You could be recording videos for sales or marketing campaigns. This is about connecting your business, humanizing your business, and reaching out to your customers or your prospects in a way that allows you to communicate a message that is meaningful, authentic, and human. I've implemented Vidyard, used it in my sales and marketing campaigns with my teams and myself. You put a face to your name with the video. You record your face, your screen, or both. It could be used for prospecting, follow-ups, product demos. You upload, you embed these videos into email campaigns, landing pages. You can include interactive elements to personalize the video, increase engagement, add call to actions, and then of course you have to measure, make sure it's working. It's integrated with analytics. You can see how the video impacts your revenue, your demos, your meetings booked, your conversions, your sales. Vidyard is a game changer. It is a magic bullet when creating sales or marketing campaigns that will allow you to grow your business. I'm a huge proponent of selling and marketing through video, so I'm extremely excited that Vidyard set this up. Now, what is this going to cost you to actually test this out? Absolutely nothing. Let me explain. So Vidyard set up a link for everybody listening to this podcast. Go to vidyard.com backslash Scott. If you go to vidyard.com backslash Scott, you can use Vidyard for free. They made this link. There's no promo code needed. Signing up is as easy as possible. Go to vidyard.com backslash Scott. You can use it completely free. Today, you can start using it, start integrating it into your sales or marketing or outreach strategy. And if you use this link, you will also get, as a bonus, their 2021 B2B Video Trends Guide that speaks about how to use video to grow your business. Vidyard has literally changed the game in terms of outreach, sales, and marketing. So do yourself a favor, especially because they're giving it to you for free. Hit that link, vidyard.com backslash Scott, and try it out. And I think yeah. that it set a new low, new floor for me of, hey, I, I think I can take on more risk in my life. And maybe because of that, I'll get more reward. So um, I, I would challenge the audience to kind of think about a low point in their life. And the the low point in your life is probably the floor for the lump amount of risk you're, you're able to take, the capacity of the risk you're able to take. And if that's why when tough things happen, when you are in a, in a, in a relationship breakup or in a business partner breaks up, a business goes under, um, you know, you're back up, you're, 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 you know, don't make payroll for three months, whatever, things like that happen. That's a low point. And that mm-hmm. I think it, it also expands your capability or capacity to take on more risk. So I think those two incidents really expanded my personal capacity to take on more risks over the years. And those are great. Those are great stories and great lessons. And I think that one other thing that, you know, that you probably do now is you allow people to not have to hit that floor, right? Because God forbid, not, not every entrepreneur should ever get mugged or have to fight a raccoon to, to be successful. Okay. And you mentioned all these things about like getting the right people involved, getting the right mentorship, getting the right support system. Um, and I think that a little bit of advice plus support systems can, can act as some sort of, I don't know, some substitute in terms of allowing people to see what has happened to others, right? And that's really where I think that probably that's what you do now. You right. see, all, you, you help people so they don't have to get to that all-time low to, to be successful, to sort of emulate that experience through you teaching and guiding and, and all these past experiences that you've had to like literally, quite literally live through. That's the way I see it. Um, now, as you know, you have an incredible professional career, how did that kick off? Because you, you had, you know, you had a, a hell of an experience as a student, 
Um, but I'm assuming things hopefully <laughs> got better over yeah, time. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, and then you had a really, really strong professional career by, by anybody's standards. So walk me through uh, your professional career, uh, your exit, um, you building your own brand, uh, your own name, and sort of elevating yourself to, well, now, now you, you deal with the top, the, the top leadership across, you know, probably Fortune 100, Fortune 500 and others, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll, let's, this, this is great. Thank you. I'll, let's talk about like two quick stories, right? The first one is right out of college. I was at a, um, and these map really well. I was at a, mm-hmm. I was a computer science and math major and I was presenting my senior paper at the University of California, Berkeley at a contest at a, you know, a programming contest. So I'm presenting on stage. I get my 10 minutes of fame. I get off stage and one of the judges pulls me aside and he says, Hey, Sharon, great presentation. You're not going to win. And I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> right. And he says, but I just funded two guys a few months ago to start their own company. So this was, this was 1999 ish. So this was during the technology boom. A lot of your uh, uh, friends would kind of connect with that. And they said, I funded these guys in the optical switching, optical networking space. I think what you have will round out what they're doing. You should talk to them. And that was the thesis of my paper. So I was like, sure, I didn't know any different. So I talked to them and then I got a chance to join that startup very early on. I was not a founder. I was one of the earliest employees uh, in the company. So I got a chance to get some early equity, which was, uh, which was, which was, which was great for me. And the, the judge of the contest who made the introduction was an angel. So he introduced me to that company first. Uh, we raised we raised uh, over twenty seven million dollars of um, cap venture capital uh, in in a in a few funding rounds, and we were then acquired by a publicly traded company uh, for a little over five hundred and fifty million dollars. So now it would be awesome if I had gotten all of that. I didn't, but I got enough uh, to make enough to pay off all my debts, enough to uh, do everything, and give me a five year cushion to travel mm-hmm. the world. So literally what I said was, all right, I'm not, I'm single. I don't, you know, I've, I've paid off all my debts. I've put, given everything back to whoever I owe. Now it's my chance to, uh, so I spent five years traveling the world teaching tennis, which I thought was very cool, but my, I was in the, I was in the Caribbean for a year in Dubai for a year and on Maui for three years. So I tried to spend yeah. my time kind of expanding my horizons, but this angel who was, at that point is kind of pulled me aside and said, he's like, what are you going to do with all this money? Right. And it was not a lot. So he became kind of like my advisor and he, uh, so we started a small fund at that point and we started investing in companies and real estate. And so as a 21 year old and he's, you know, significantly older, like a father to me, he kind of learned, taught me and helped me. And without him, I don't know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. And so um, after that, um, he said to me, Hey, you've done tennis for five years. This is cool. What are you going to do with your life? I kind of needed a job. So he said, Hey, uh, you should think about if you like business, you should go to wall street because, uh, the fastest way to learn uh, anything about business and structuring and deal flow is to go on wall street and you should go to one of the big banks. I was like, how, why is someone going to hire a teaching pro, uh, at a big bank? He's like, no, one's going to hire you. You need to go to business school. So mm-hmm. I actually found the three or four business schools that had the best feeder system into wall street. And so I went to, I got my MBA at Vanderbilt and uh, then I got a job. I, had, I got a job at Goldman Sachs. Uh, I had 39 individual one-on-one interviews to get the job. Hmm. at Goldman. So and if people think that, Oh yeah, you just went in and you got hand, like it was, uh, I, I did over a hundred in interviews in investment banking in, in a six month period. It was 39 just with Goldman, just with one firm. So, um, so I spent, uh, you know, three years at Goldman and two years at Credit Suisse, so five years in investment banking. And then the same angel who has started to become my partner over time had invested in, uh, we had invested in a small real estate company in Beverly Hills. He's like, hey, Sharon, the next time you're in Los Angeles, you should talk to these guys. They're a small real estate company. They have one office and like 30 agents. Maybe you can help them. Well, I go visit with them. And then I realized that their original founders of that company are not getting along or just have different visions for the world. Well, I told my now partner, I told I told uh, my angel, uh, you know, kind of advisor, I was like, hey, I think this is a great business. We should acquire it. And he's like, you're crazy. Who's going to run it? I said, not me. He goes, if you run it, then we can acquire it together. So he and I became partners and we, we bought this business, which had one office in Beverly Hills, 33 agents. And, um, I didn't have enough money to do this. So I reverse mortgaged my house, took loans from my family again, 
to buy a controlling stake in this business. Uh, at that time, my wife, who I, I was, and who I'm still married to, um, and was pregnant with our first child too. So it was taking a lot of risk at the same time. But we had one um, one office, thirty agents, and then I uh, and Scott, you'll you'll appreciate this. I was putting a plan together because I was the operator of the business now, putting a plan together, and I put and we we roughly had done the business was doing fine, but we're, they were doing three hundred million roughly in sales, so top line mm-hmm. business. Uh, figure out how all that flows together. And I was putting this model together and by mistake, instead of the 300 million, I added an extra zero, made it three, <laughs> 3 billion, right? And I looked at the spreadsheet and it was all black. It was all profit. It was all like the greatest spreadsheet you could ever see. And I was like, wait a minute, this is insane. Like if we had this, like we'd have an amazing business. So I showed it to my partner. He's like, hey, you should present this to the board. So I made a plan to the board that said, hey, we're at 300 million. Yeah. If we got to 3 billion, duh, of course, we would all make a ton of cash and this would be an amazing business. But we only have, we only have five years to do it. They're like, well, why do you only have five years to do it? I said, well, economy generally goes in seven year cycles. This is 2008, 2009. We are probably a year and a half in. I don't know how long this would be. We probably need a year and a half to exit. So mm-hmm. literally we have to do 10X in five years. And so the board was like, okay, we'll come up with a plan for it. So I came up with a plan. I didn't know anything. I was 29 years old. I had no idea how, how any of this worked. I built a plan and literally, a, Scott, we grew from 300, you know, 30 agents, one office, 300 million in sales to um, close to 700 agents, 22 offices, 3.4 billion in sales in five years. So we did 10X, we did better than 10X in five years. And then we were acquired by a publicly traded company out of New York called Douglas Elliman, which was one of the largest real estate transactions in the country. And so it actually worked. It, it, it actually worked. So that was the, and so now the original chance meeting of a judge in a contest became my advisor and business partner for the last 20 years. Support system, mentor, partner, and right now, now billion plus dollar exit. Yeah. So, yeah, because I know, I know you speak about. See, when you, when you, when you advertise you as an individual, you go and you say, I, "I work with founders, CEOs who want a ten x or a hundred x." And I feel like a lot of people even think that's just like a like a figure of speech, like, "Oh, I want a ten x my business," thinking like you know, not by a factor of ten, but just significantly. But that's that's a really good point. Like the, the proper support system. Now, I don't think it's it's maybe I'm just being pessimistic that it's hard to replicate in, in every single circumstance, but you did it and you, you've probably worked with other CEOs to do it too. So is that, is that, you know, you exit that now, is that where you're, cause I want to, I want to understand how you did it and I want to yeah. understand your process and, you know, at a high yeah. level, we only have a few minutes uh, yeah. to do yeah. this. But, but uh, so, so after that, is this when you started advising? Is this when, uh, Kingston Lane came to be. Is that after the real estate transaction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. t- totally. So that let, there's two parts of this puzzle, right? One, well, yeah. let's actually break down, uh, you know, kind of what is the formula for 10xing a business. So we'll yeah. give that to everybody. So that's really good. But um, very briefly, I'll touch on what I do now. So uh, we uh, three things. Number one is I, I have active operating businesses that I run, and there are across the board. Some are in the real estate business, some are not. Uh, that's, but they're all part of what is part two, which is my partner and I have a fund. So we have a private fund that we invest in businesses. Some we operate, some we don't, which means they have professional operators. Mm-hmm. And so we are investors, advisors to those. And most of my time is spent either operating businesses that we own or that we're investors in. That's because that way, if I, Scott, you're one of our portfolio company CEOs, I have a vested interest in making sure that the business grows 5, 10, 15 X and you succeed. I have a vested interest in that. Now, outside of that, I probably spend a hand, a little bit of time. I, I probably have six to eight uh, founder CEOs at any given time. And uh, the average business size is roughly 25 to 50 million. And the goal for that is to get them to 250 to 500 million mm-hmm. over three to five years. So that's the goal. So I never take on more than six to eight at any given time. And most of these folks, you know, it's a, it's how do you break the grass, glass ceiling of how do I get past this? So, um, it's, it's a, it's a cool, very cool relationship. All, all my mentoring relationships all have an equity stake in it, which makes sure that I'm aligned with that growth. Cause most operators are like, Hey, I'm doing 20 million. You get me to 200. You can gladly have the 10% because that's what we started off in the first place. So that's no problem at all. Now let's talk about the formula for how 
uh, you actually, you know, 10X. Yeah, what's your playbook? That's yeah, the, that's the playbook how you, potatoes, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, here's a playbook on how you 10X something, right? So uh, there's a, it's unfair to say that, um, oh yeah, this will work for anything, right? But mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a, I call it a heuristic. There's, it's a guideline, like go with the framework, right? Framework, there are three parts here. Part number one is singularity of focus. The, if you think that you can add 1,700 SKUs, 18 business lines and all to get that result, you're crazy. It, it, that stuff does not work. Like after you've achieved the 10x, then you can add more to it. But the the what drives the bus is, hey, I'm going to turn my focus to one big bone. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to gnaw on this big bone. I'm going to ask everybody in my organization to figure out what is this big bone that they can gnaw on. And the question becomes for them, hey, I'm waking up in the morning. Am I doing something that's helping me with this big bone or it's not? So the filter becomes very clear. When everyone's working on different initiatives and different divisions, yeah, you start to have some accretive revenue on a lot of the stuff, but the singular vision's never driven forward. So I'll give you a very simple example. When we had, we decided in on our real estate business's growth that we would drive everything by people. So it was all, it was straight up everything related to acquiring great sales talent and that sales talent drove our business. And so everyone's like, well, yeah, we should train productive people. We should have sales skills. And I'm like, I don't care about any of this. Our goal is to go hire and recruit and retain the best salespeople possible. And that's really hard to do in a competitive environment. So our singularity of focus was if we got to uh, 600 plus really productive salespeople doing what they did, they would drive our business. So that was our singularity of focus. Now, every time I did anything, my team would say, Sharon, why are you driving to San Diego? Is this going to help us 10X? Like they would ask me that question. So that yeah, really, that's a good team. Yeah, it's, super, good team. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Because then I would ask them the same question, say like, hey, why are we why are we spending $3 million on this advertising campaign? Does it help us get there, right? So the filter is really important. So number one, singularity of focus. And the problem with the singularity of focus is as an operator, you and I, I call it the, when you're inside the bottle, it's hard to read the label. Mm-hmm. You think 17 things are important. But as an advisor, when I'm looking from the outside, I can tell you 16 of those are noise. Yes, it may drop revenue a little bit, but it's really hard to do by yourself, right? So that's, so singularity focus is number one. Number two, uh, I call it the cadence of accountability. Accountability is, is, is an interesting concept, right? Like, hey, if you, wanna, if you wanna lose weight, what do you do? You, you take an accountability coach. Yeah. You got to get you that person. Of your food yeah. every single yeah. meal that you or eat. Or that, true. Yeah, you have a Yeah, you need some form of accountability, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll actually give you the practical accountability that we had. So I was like, hey, we need to go recruit some really badass salespeople. And normally what I would say is, hey, we'd have this check-in call every Friday to see where our recruiters were at getting these great salespeople. And we made kind of bumping along progress. And I was like, well, this is stupid. It's this is We're not growing as fast as we need. So Scott, this is exactly what we did. At 9.45 every single morning, we had 11 what we call sales managers. Their job was to go recruit great salespeople. At 9.45 every single morning, five days a week, we got on a phone call and the 11 people went in order. It was like Jim, Jack, Scott, Johnny, same order every single day. And they would reel out two numbers. They would reel out, they would say two, zero, one, five, eight, seven, whatever it was, right? The first number was, how many appointments did I have yesterday? And the second number was, how many appointments do I have scheduled today? Mm-hmm. So think about that for a second. I say two, zero. Then you go. You say three, one. Then the next person goes and says zero, zero. How do you think that person feels right now? Hey, everyone. Scott here. Just want to press pause on today's episode and thank our sponsor, GetMister. You can find them at getmister.com. Let me show you why I was so excited when they reached out. So if you're like me, you're getting older, you, your skin, you don't really take care of it as much as you should. Um, you perhaps use moisturizer once in a while, you use sunscreen once in a while. Um, maybe if you're shaving, you're using aftershave, but you're not religious about this. There's too many lotions out there, too many variants. You don't put on sunscreen every time you should. You don't moisturize when you should. Your skin's getting dry, it's, it's aging out. You get a couple burns here and there, it's not good. Well, I was, like most people who are just too fed up to look into all the different products out there. I don't have the time for it. I don't have the, the mental real estate to invest, but get Mr. Does all of this in one. So it's very similar to, as I was excited to find out that shampoo body wash combo. When you use that one shampoo body wash combo for your hair, your body Well, get Mr. Is complete skincare. So it's an SPF 30 sunscreen filled with minerals and vitamins. It's not greasy. It's fragrance free. 
It's also a moisturizer to take care of your skin. It has anti-aging ingredients in it, as well as it's an aftershave. So you don't have to put on an extra lotion after you shave in the morning. So you're putting on one lotion when you shave that takes care of your sunscreen for the day. It takes care of your moisturizer for your face and it takes care of your aftershave to remove any sort of irritation. I had no idea this existed. I was so excited when I tried it for the first time. It doesn't just do three in one, but it does them all well. So if you're listening, I highly recommend you go check it out. Try it if you don't use a ton of creams because there's just too much stuff out there or they're too expensive. This is perfect because it gives you quality skincare without much effort, without much thought. For everybody who's listening to this podcast, there's a special code you can use. So right now, if you go to getmister.com and you use the code SUCCESS, you will unlock 25% off your first purchase. That's G-E-T-M-R.com, getmister.com, and use code SUCCESS for 25% off your first purchase. This is an exclusive offer only for listeners for our podcast, and it will end soon. Try it out. Your face will thank you. My face sure did. Now let's get back to our show. Terrible. I'll tell you, all three of those people should feel terrible because they should be moving in the opposite direction. Correct. I, I hear what you're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. But nobody, what we saw was nobody that said zero, zero ever yeah. turned up the next day and had a zero, zero again. Right? Yeah, motivated. Super powerful, sure. right? Yeah. Um, and you also realize that if somebody could do, it also gives you a perspective of what is possible. If someone said seven, three, I had seven appointments yesterday and three today. That's crazy. Someone that says zero nine, you know that, hey, I was busy, whatever. And Scott, all we did was this. There was no judgment. It was a, you wake up, 9.45, it went in order. And if someone missed the call, I paused for 10 seconds to let everybody know that that spot was not taken that day. I mean, it got very, very clear. And it sounds militant, but that was the single most important thing that drove the accountability. Because we knew that appointments drive people. We knew Mm -hmm. that. Because without meeting with people, you're not hiring anybody. So our cadence of accountability was this 15-minute chunk that we installed in our business that literally changed the nature of our entire business, right? So number one, singularity of focus. Number two, cadence of accountability. Now, in the different companies that I work with, that accountability is a different thing. It just so happens that in, in our business, we that was the 15-minute chunk that we came up with. Number three, uh, good process and good process alone drives good results. So a lot of times what we say is, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out later is what the average entrepreneur says, right? And that's why they, that's why they'll, like doubling your business is actually easy. You can tighten a few screws, get a few bowls, sell and make a bunch of extra calls, uh, you know, offer a bunch of discounts and you can double your business. But when you do that, it's very hard to sustain a doubling because you hacked your way to doubling it and everything starts to break. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that we realized from a process perspective was, when a new salesperson came in because we drove our business with people that we needed to have like a badass onboarding program. And that's all we focused on because we said, if, if Scott comes on and he has a delightful onboarding process, he never leaves and continues to be happy producing results for us. So I literally shut down my focus on anything else. And all I worked on was how do I have the most amazing, like we brought in a consultant from four seasons and you're, you know, you see sharp where four seasons was born was Toronto. Um, we brought in a consultant from Four Seasons to say, how do we design this delightful onboarding process? And that was a process for us. So for us, it was, how do we get to, you know, 600 plus people selling $3.4 billion a year? How do we do this 15 minute call every single day? And how do we have an insane onboarding process? Those three things were the very specific three things that actually drove our 10X growth. I love it. And it makes sense because now you've taken that, you've taken that mantra, that ideology, that, 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 that one bone you have to gnaw on, and then you just, you have that one bone and each piece that will actually lead back to your main high level yep. KPI bone, whatever. Um, yep. How, uh, now I'm curious, how do you, how do you figure out what that bone is as an yeah. entrepreneur who's stuck in the bottle, right? Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a series of questions. And I think that's the process that's a little difficult, right? And so yeah. I'll give you an, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Um, I was driving to a con, I drove to a conference that I went to, there was a hundred entrepreneurs invited to this conference. I'd never had a, I, I was busy run operating my business at this time. I get to this conference. I sit down, I'm put on, I put on my hoodie. I'm sitting in the back. I'm like, Hey, I can't believe I'm here. I committed to being here. It's a whole day. It's wasting my day. That's what most entrepreneurs, when most entrepreneurs go to conferences, there's like, I can't believe I'm here. Right. And I'm sitting there, it's past lunch. And I'm like, I wasted this morning. I'm here. I might as well listen. 
this this five foot four lady shows up on stage. She starts talking. And I'm like, oh, I should probably pay attention. And Scott, she started talking to me about leadership, building a business, et cetera. And I started writing some notes. And as she was talking, a couple of questions came to mind. So I was almost going to raise my hand proverbially to ask the question, but I felt like as soon as I asked the question, she naturally answered it in my head, mm-hmm. like an eerie experience, right? And then I would take more notes. I would have another question and she would magically answer the next question. I was like, that's weird. Like, that, how does she know what I'm thinking? That's weird. And she did this for the whole hour. And I, d- I was driving home that day and I'm like, this is magical. Call my dad. I'm like, dad, you won't believe what happened. And just as a, you know, I call my dad because I call my dad and he says, oh, well, you should hire her. And I'm like, to do what? Well, if she can answer all your questions, even before you're thinking about them, maybe she can help you with your business, your life, whatever. I was like, well, I don't know what I would do. And so he goes, well, write her an email. And my dad was very good about, you know, scripting, good about language patterns. And he said, I'll give you the phrasing he told me. He said, Sharon, write her this email that says, um, hey, so-and-so, I, I met you at this event and you were amazing. And here was the phrasing that he used. He says, I would like to offer you blank. And he said, come up with a number, a dollar amount that was painful to you, but still large enough. Mm-hmm. And at that point in my career, when I was 29 years old, I picked, I'll pick the number. It was $10,000, right? And I said, um, I would like to offer you $10,000 as a symbol of my seriousness. That was the line, right? All I'm looking for is for you to prioritize some email communication for me. And that's it. I don't need any structured calls. I don't need any meetings or anything. Hmm. And I was like, huh. And I was like, dad, really? He goes, yeah. Would you pay $10,000 for her to read your mind? I was like, of course. So I wrote her that email. Within two minutes, Scott, she responds to me and says, is this a joke? I said, no. <laughs> and then she says, I, I said, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm dead serious. She responds. She's like, Here's my, here are wiring instructions. I was like, awesome. I wired the money and she became my first coach. Literally, she was instrumental in helping me chain, come up with this 10X plan, put the singularity of focus together. Like I had none of these pieces then. And she was the one that told me, hey, when you're inside the bottle, it's hard to read the label. So while I was discussing all the things that I was working on, she was the one that pulled out that, hey, you're working on operations and dropping money to the bottom line, but you're telling me that the people are the ones that are driving the growth. Let's think about a future where if it were only the people that you focused on, what would happen to your organization? The coach asked the right question. And I, coach is an interesting thing. Coach, mentor, advisor. Um, I, I try to call myself, I'm my client's private advisor because mm-hmm. for uh, a, a, a 200 and an entrepreneur running a $50 million business, dropping $20 million to the bottom line doesn't need a coach per se because they are like, hey, I, they, they just need somebody to talk to who yeah. is non-judgmental, who has been there and done that, right? So whatever my clients are going through right now, I have been there. Like, I know, I know that they're thinking about wanting a private jet because their friend has a private jet. I know it. And I told him, I, I've been on enough private jets. You don't want one. You don't <laughs> want one. And I'll tell you why. You can charter one all day. Like you may think this is a snooty thing to talk about, but that's what goes through their minds when they hit a level of success. Hey, should I have the jet? Should I have the car? Should I have the house? Should I have the bank balance? Should I have the second vacation home? Should I bonus my employees? Should I have an operator? Like that's what they're thinking about. And when you've already been there, I can kind of wade through that stuff because that's all noise. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it is, hey, here's a singularity of focus. Here's a cadence of accountability. And here's a good process, right? So it's a discovery process. There's no like formula for it to come out. But I've seen enough businesses, service, product, manufacturing, whatever, that after like a couple of conversations, I can at least pick out the candidates pretty quickly of what is going to drive growth. And then you build a hypothesis around saying, hey, Scott, if you focused on this division only will it change your business? Well, let's figure it out. And then that makes for a really good kind of conversation around it. What advice do you have for people that are looking for mentors or advisors or coaches? And it's not a one size fits all, but there must be some, there must be some red flags in the, in the age of internet and gurus and, and absolute bullshit. Like how do you find the right people that are actually genuine, know their stuff can actually provide value? Yeah. So, um, uh, I'll answer it two ways. First way is um, this is the number one question that I've ever gotten asked in my career. Oh, okay. I'm sorry That's, for re- reiterating. No, 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 no. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, it's really good. And and I think that. So what I did was when I launched my podcast, by the way, and we should link it up. My yeah, first episode is how to find a mentor. 
Like literally I walk you through the 10 step process of how are you doing that? So we'll link it up anyway. But, uh, and, and if anybody's thinking about that, they should go listen to it because I actually lay out a blueprint for how to go find the right mentor for you. But the, we, we should ask a question. And the question is this, if I could have blank as my mentor, they would give me X capability so that I can go do Y. So let me break it down for you. If I had Tony Robbins as my mentor, he would give me X capability. He would give me the mindset of success so that I can go triple my business. If you can't write that, that person, that means one, you don't know what they can do for you. And it also makes sure that you don't know what you actually want. The clarity of that, like that fill in the blank alone will allow you to like sift and sort between mentors very, very, very quickly, right? That's the, that's the first thing. The second thing I'll tell you, um, Scott, is I like to do, I, I think we're all influencer junkies right now. Uh, when I say we, it's the, you have, you know, you, you, Hey, I'm going to follow Greg, Gary Vee. I'm going to follow Grant Cardone. I'm going to follow, follow Tony Robbins. Your entire feed's just filled with. I saw, I saw you had some negative, uh, negative, uh, wording about influencers in one of your, <laughs> in one of your past, uh, speeches or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there were, we're influencer junkies, right? Like, and so, yeah. so what I mean by that is that literally we're looking at stuff and we co- constantly in a stream of weird advice and that's fine. What I decided to do just because I was getting overloaded with this stuff, Scott, was I stopped and I unfollowed everybody on Instagram. And I and this is I started this in 2019. Every single month, I pick one person to do a deep dive on. Somebody that I really admire, somebody that I really appreciate. And I'll give you an example. I did one of my favorite people in the world that I like I would pay money to have just to have this person just talk and just listen. I don't even want to like talk, right? Is Malcolm Gladwell. I love Malcolm Gladwell. I love everything about Malcolm Gladwell. I love his storytelling capabilities. So I did a whole month just deep diving on Malcolm Gladwell. And it was to the point, Scott, where I would see him on an interview and someone would ask him a question. And I literally knew what he was going to say because you've, you've done such a deep dive on that person. So before you even hire somebody, I would say, just spend like two weeks just devouring everything that they have. And I'll give you a very simple example. I did a deep dive on Seth Godin. Really, really, I mean, I love Seth Godin. I actually wrote Seth this email. Hey, Seth, here are the 18 things I've done. I did this. I watched this. I read this book. I did this. I did all of that, right? And I said, there's three questions that I have that were not answered in any of your material. I'm happy to either send them to you or if it's easier for you, I'm happy to do a 14-minute Zoom and I just want to share that with my mastermind group. Are you open to doing that? And he said, sure. Like literally I got on with Seth. I asked him the three questions. He's like, thank you for being a man of your word. I hit stop record and I sent it to my mastermind group. I didn't even need to hire him, right? There's a lot of ways in which we can just do a bunch of deep dives and get what we need. But uh, we should definitely link up the episode. But ask the question, hey, if I could have Scott help me develop blank capability, it will help my get me Z result. What is that? Once you have that, I think it really gives you a kind of heat seeker missile on who you should hire. It's a good framework. I appreciate that. Well, I'll link the episode as well. I'll get some socials from you. I want to do uh, a rapid fire, some very quick insight from your life before uh, before we close off, uh, just to respect your time. Um, and by the way, before I pivot and then we close off, get some social, is there anything else that you're working on you wanted to bring up? Yeah, so I, the, I, I'm more more as a gift. So I'll tell you one thing that uh, everyone should consider. I um, I spent the last I took the last twenty years of advice, and uh, I put it all together into twenty lessons. I call it the four week MBA. It's hundred percent free. That, yeah, uh, it's hundred percent free. There's no it's there's no like no funnel, nothing. It's a straight up kind of like. It's an, it's a link to a thousand dollar course for free. It's the number four weekmba.com. I'd love for people to just go grab it because it'll give them a chance to get my 20 lessons that I've learned over the last 20 years. So four weekmba.com. I'd love for people that that's kind of like my gift to the world. Awesome. I appreciate it. I'll link that too. We got if any, any links, by the way, you want, I'll put them in the notes below. So if you want to check it out, uh, podcast, your site, um, four week MBA, all of that, uh, I'll, uh, I'll get those all set with the show notes. Um, Okay. Uh, rapid fire, uh, you know, you can go into as, as much or as little depth as you'd like, but first question would be, um, one lesson that you would tell your younger self, um, pay for a, pay for a coach as soon as you're able to do it. Good. Very good. Um, what is a resource 
could be a book, podcast, audible person that you're into now that you would recommend people go check out? Um, I am rereading Influence by Robert Cialdini, uh, one of the one of the greatest books on thought processes, marketing, uh, and really framing your message. So Robert Cialdini Influence is written like 20 plus years ago. A uh, really awesome book. Um, what would be the most influential person outside of family, of course, uh, that, uh, that has helped you along in your career? Um, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I actually will tell you that one, uh, well, I'll give you one person who's actually in your neck of the woods, Scott. His name is Walter Schneider. Walter, Walter, Schneider from Toronto. Walter, Walter owns, um, one third of the world in, uh, Remax. So he has ah. 41,000 real estate agents that work with him. And he built it all with his bare hands. And he took me on as a, as a, you know, he calls me kid and took me on, uh, <laughs> you know, he's my mentor and he's been along my side for many, many years. And I, you know, he's uncle Walter to me. And so look, look him up is uh, Walter Schneider. One of the, one of the kindest people out there. Very good. Um, and what are you curious about or learning about right now in the world of business, tech, entrepreneurship, anything? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really curious about uh, what uh, augmented reality is going to do for the world, especially with, uh, you know, us spending more time on screens and devices. I think mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm going to buy a product. Can I, can I put it somewhere in my room? I'm going to change the paint color of my house. I'm going to wear this t-shirt. Can I, you know, I have my body. Can I just put my t-shirt on and see what it'll yeah. look like? I'm a, I think that it, it really brings the power of visualization um, back because if you can get, if, 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 if I can put a piece of art on your wall right now, there's a good chance you're going to buy something from my store, right? It's so amazing from a convincing, uh, kind of heuristic. And so I, um, I've been talking to a lot of augmented reality companies. I, we, uh, it's one of the, it's an investment. Uh, we've actually set aside monies to make an investment in augmented reality. So that's my, uh, my big charge for the next upcoming years is to, is to put my money where my mouth is and, and learn more about and invest more in augmented reality. I think with the future of e-commerce, um, that's the one thing that's stopping people from buying at home, right? That's yeah. all you hear. And Ikea is doing it too now. They're doing um, some sort of augmented reality where you can actually push the furniture into a, a, yeah, it's, 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 the next, it's the next iteration of shopping for sure, for sure. Um, and then last question, what does success look like for you? Um, what does it mean for you? Excuse me. Yeah, for, 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 me, uh, for me, success is kind of figuring out what you're good at. I think for a lot of people, success is a result of money, fame, achievement, et cetera. And I'll tell you, like, I've driven the sports car. I'm very grateful for it. Coming from a, you know, coming from dumpster diving, I've driven the sports car, lived in the big house. Like, I've flown on the jets, all of that. That's cool. But it didn't change my life. Like, I'm not, that. that's not what made me. I think more and more I wake up and I'm trying to think about Scott is, okay, what am I good at? And can I do more of that? And I think the faster someone can do that, the happier they get, because then they're spending their time entirely in their zone of genius, right? They're spending their time in who they are and what they were put on this on this earth to do. Now, I don't think you need money to do that. I just think you need time. And I think you need a great support system to get there. So um, asking, uh, I, I, was, um, I was talking to one of my friends, Rob Hanley today, and he asked an amazing question. He says, um, ask your friends what you are uncommonly good at. Ask your friends what you're uncommonly good at, and maybe that'll give you a little a window into the world of what you are uncommonly good at, and maybe that'll drive you to figuring out that true skill of why you were, what you were put on this earth to do. So I am in a mad pursuit of finding that right now. That's smart. That's a very good answer. I've never heard that answer before, but that, I think that would lead to a lot of other benchmarks, for, traditional benchmarks for success when you can figure that out. Um, and last, most importantly, where do people uh, connect with you? Um, your website, social, all of that good stuff. Yeah, um, the, I'll, I'll give them. I'll give them to two. You know, we already talked about the four week MBA. I'll give them two mm -hmm. places. Place number one is um, we talked a lot about 10x, right? So I wrote this thing called uh, just a blog post. It's called um, 10x in five years. So literally, it's 10x in five years dot com. It's okay. 37 lessons that I learned growing the business 10x. So it's a, there's no opt-in. There's nothing. It's just a blog post. You should go read it. It's 37 bullet points, 37 lessons that I learned growing our business 10x in five years to 3.4 billion, 10x in five years.com. That's the place I would send you. Uh, every other place is just, you know, I'm on Instagram and all of that stuff, but go to 10x in five years.com, sign up for the newsletter. I write, I write an email three, four times a week to all the CEOs that I mentor that I share with everybody else. So 10x in five years.com is a place I'll send everybody. 
I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials, but here's the 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success that's s-u-c-c-e-s-s to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with belay thank you so much indeed for sponsoring success story for all business leaders out there indeed is a lifesaver see we're always driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work, and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 